Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tito Bort, CEO at Alti Sales, and here we are with uh, another SDR Superstar Series. Today, I am uh, I am really excited about this one because we are going to talk about some interesting topics, um, such as reengaging close lost leads and how to reach out to um, webinar attendees or white paper uh, downloads and so on. And for that, today I have a superstar SDR coming from Time Trade, and his name is Val Moisand. And uh, it's, uh, it's so great to have you here, Val. Hey, Tito. Thank you for having me on. It's very much appreciated. I've watched more than a handful of episodes and read your content, so I'm very glad to be here. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so, man, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, to learn a little bit more about um, you and what you're doing. But let's, let's give the audience a little bit of context just so people understand in terms of, like, you know, the markets you're reaching out to and all that. What, what, uh, what does Time Trade do? Who, who do you reach out to? What, what do you provide? So my salespeople can appreciate this. We make it easier for your buyers to get in contact with you. We, make, we have a Salesforce app that allows you to schedule for yourself or on behalf of others, and there's applications for marketing and customer success as well. The verticals that we work with the most are financial, so banks and credit unions, and software in the mid-market range, somewhere between 25 mil to about, you know, 300 mil typically. Okay. So this is, um, you know, as other people might call it, a calendar solution, something that, like, I would send a link and people can schedule time and things like that? It is, and it's built with the intention of making it for an organization. What you see a lot with calendaring apps is that they're self-service, an individual user who's just trying to manage his own time, Time trade is a little more than that. It's managing for a whole group, an entire sales development team, an entire sales organization, and then helping them use that scheduling concept, but on a macro scale. Okay, fantastic. So scheduling an SDR with an AE, you can bring a CSM on board, everything directly from time trade. So without having to look at 14 calendars and you're like, do you have Tuesday the 4th, uh, 45 days from now? It's like, oh, nope, that one person in the meeting doesn't have it. All it shows is available times, but for not just one person, up to like 10. So it's very easy to coordinate big meetings. And for the flip side, the post-sale, coordinating things like implementations, check-ins, where there's more than one person involved and from different departments. I mean, I'm sure you know when it comes to like reaching out to someone outside of your department, you have to go upstairs, go downstairs, hit them up with messages. There's processes and procedures, things like that. And in one invite to coordinate everything does a lot for time-saving in the post-sale. Yeah, fantastic. So for the audience, what they're um, obviously curious about is regarding the target market. Are you reaching out to sales department, marketing, customer support? Who, who's your audience? Who do you call? Sure. My primary ones are sales development, business development, account development, and sales teams as well. Typically mid-market SMB, not as much enterprise. And then also uh, post-sale, it's customer success and sometimes professional services. It kind of depends on how the organizations are structured. Okay, great. So tell us about your work. I mean, you are um, in an SDR role there, uh, booking meetings. Um, how much do you do inbound versus outbound? Sure. So I am a hybrid BDR, so I do both. I would say that my time is spent 60-40, 60% of it on outbound work, and 40% of my time with the inbound leads that I get. And those okay. come in the form of white papers, typically, or video leads, as in like they watch our app exchange video. Ah, okay. So these aren't like people requesting a meeting and or people like on a contact us form. It's more like it's a it's a warmer lead. Um I have a blog about this where I actually don't don't like the usual definition of inbound outbound. I talk about three buckets. I say there's 
completely cold outbound where they've never heard of you. Then you have what I call warm outbound, which is, oh, they watch a webinar, they watched a white paper, they download a white paper, they looked at your um, app exchange uh, video or whatever. And then I have what I call inbound, which is they requested a demo and or they're on your chat. Inbound, I would only consider somebody who's like urgently waiting for your response. Um, so it seems like you're mostly outbound, 60% cold and then 40% warmer. Yes, I mean, I rarely ever get requests for info. Typically, the account executives handle that. I only get them if it's like a smaller company and they weren't really sure where this one would go. And that's split about all the BDRs as well. But we, I would say like I get a, like a request for info like once a quarter. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So in, in my mind, I would consider you a very outbound driven person reaching out to both warm and cold leads. So how do you get measured on your success? I mean, do you just need to get meetings performed? Do you need to like hyper qualify these or just like get somebody in the books uh, and uh, you know, if they show up yes or no, you don't even care or what's, what's the metric? Yeah, absolutely. So I have to have the meetings completed. And then after the meetings are completed, we have to discuss um, whether or not it will be accepted or rejected by the AE. I only get credit and towards my quota for accepted opportunities off of my completed meetings. Okay. So, so for the accepted meeting, there has to be um, either a budget and timing or um, a need and the timing. It's usually based on like the band fields and conversations with the AEs. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, maybe it's like two months away, but this is a really good one. We like this. We're going to accept this. Sometimes it's like, well, two months away, the interest isn't really there. We're not really sure. So there's a lot of discretion by the AE team, which actually I kind of like personally, because that makes me only get the very best ops and do as much good work as I can to qualify. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then how many meetings do you need per month uh, accepted? Accepted is 10. They, um, we've hovered somewhere between uh, 12 and 15 in the past. When I started, it was 12 and they've recently brought it down to 10. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Um, and you are the best performer. Um, I believe you've mentioned something like 122% or quota or around there. Um, yeah, about 109.6, just a little bit under the 110. Okay, we can round that up to 110. Um, but you're killing a time trade. So we want to learn more about your secret sauce. So um, let's talk, um, where are you getting most of your meetings from? Is it social, email, phone, direct mail, video? What do you do? I would say it's... The main combination is phone, email, and then a little bit of social sprinkled into the mix wherever I can get it. So okay. I, I book, a, I'm pretty, honestly, I'm pretty even split on either calls or emails in terms of what leads to my meetings uh, being um, booked. But I find that I'm a pretty strong on the phone, especially when it comes to these webinar leads and deals that had either been propagated in the past, but then didn't really go anywhere or just like dark opportunities. I'm really good at like taking something and bringing it back on the table, if that makes sense. And time trade actually has a great environment to allow me to do that. Okay. So let's, let's dive a little bit deeper there. So what, what are you specifically doing? Like, do you, do you go and, and look at our Salesforce report and look at companies that you, your team might've had talks with in the past and it didn't come to fruition or? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to think of this, by the way, Tito, as a part of my sales portfolio. It's uh, something that I do every day that takes up a certain amount of my time, but it's based on you know how successful I am with it and what I'm getting out of it. 
So with this, this is something that I do every day, probably about an hour where I go through closed loss reports and I try to on Salesforce and I try to find banks or credit unions that have talked to us in the last two years. The reason being is that time trade has been around actually for a pretty long time. They have almost 20 years of company history and we've primarily worked with that audience. One thing that I know is that our product has gotten much better in the last four or five years geared towards the inbound use case of letting customers schedule from like their mobile app or your company website. And that's something that banks are actually really starting to resonate with now. Like you see a lot of digital transformation stuff all over LinkedIn. You see all this stuff about the things they need to do to enable their members, be more less like a corporation and more like your, you know, your neighbor. Appointment scheduling is a big thing for that because that ability to schedule any time is really important to that experience. So I reach out to people who've already talked to us and at the time we didn't have enough of a product to bring them that and now we can. So what's really cool about that is I already have the right person because we were engaging with them. I have a history of what happened before, which gives me a reference for a warmer email than just saying, hey, I believe that our product would be good for you because of X, Y, and Z. I can say, hey, Bill asked me to reach out to you. You had been engaged in him in talks with him in 2017 around lobby management and point scheduling. Because we didn't really have the lobby management part at the time, it didn't really seem like the best fit. Now we do. So I was wondering, could we um, reopen this conversation and see if there's a better fit now in 2019? You'd be surprised. It's actually focused. So, so that's genius. I mean, I mean, what you're doing is you're just like, literally most, most reps aren't even logging into Salesforce, right? That's SDRs. They, they don't run reports. They, they're just like, okay, like I'll, I'll go research more leads. They give me target accounts, but you're actually allowed to go on Salesforce. You're running a report. You're finding, can you go after any account that you want or like, uh, how do you uh, guys within, split accounts within, with within, I stay in my territory just to not, um, Okay. Not upset anyone, but what I will do is that if I see a good one, like a really good one, I'll just be like, hey, dude, you should probably hit this guy up, you know, because I was just looking at this and like, then I realized like, oh, this bank's not in Arkansas. It was in uh, like New Jersey or something like that. And I just didn't pick that up immediately. I can be like, hey, like, John, do you want to go after this? And then something good happens, you know? So I, I always stay in my territory and it's geographic, but if I do see something good in that report while I'm just kind of tinkering around, I'll let my coworkers know. Right. Okay. Fantastic. So you have a, so the way your team is splitting accounts is actually by territory rather than like target account. So a lot of people are moving to this concept of ABM. And sometimes what that means is an SDR is given accounts like, okay, here are your 200 accounts and you're only allowed to go after these 200. But in your case, you have a territory. So you have a little bit more area to go search some of your own if you want to. You're going on Salesforce, you're running reports for your territory, you're finding the accounts that were engaged with you before, and you're reading all the notes. I mean, that's the extra step that really makes the difference, right? Because that's, that's what brings relevance. Really, really does, because when I first started doing this, I would just try to call them and try to get it back online, right? And there's a big difference between being like, hey, this is Val from Time Trade. Hey, uh, you guys talked to us like last year. Do you want to talk to us again? And hi, this is Val with Time Trade. Bill asked me to reach out to you because you guys have been engaged in talks. It seems like it fell through because of a issue with this person thing. We've actually expanded our rep tour. Now we can do this. Would you be interested in reopening that conversation with us? It's monumental. It's different. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because as a prospect on the first one, I'm like, 
okay, somebody's just trying to get a meeting with anybody. And then they saw we talked. So like, they're just trying to get me back on. But I said it wasn't good. So what, what's changed? Nothing. Therefore, I don't want to take a meeting. On the second scenario, you're like, I'm actually calling you because something has changed. And what has changed is that now we can do whatever you're requesting. So this is going to make you happy. Do you want to take a meeting? And I'm like, okay, yeah, fair. Like, to be honest, like, I use some some softwares uh, myself in in my business, and I've had the competition reach out to me many many times for a few different things. And I I look at them like a good example is uh, I'm an outreach user. I've had sales off reach out to me, and they're like, you know, like we want you to be fair and like look at our software and see if it will work for you. And then I looked at it, and it was short on a few different areas. And I did let them know what what were the areas. And this isn't always the case. Like I know some people prefer sales often, and that's great. I have some good friends who who do. I prefer outreach uh, by, by a lot, but if they were to have all the features that outreach has and they call me back and they're like, you want to take a look at it again? And I look at it and it has the features. There's no reason why I, I would be like, oh no, like I will not look at this. Like obviously I'm open to it. I just want the best tool I can ever find for a fair price. And if you give me that, like I'm in. So I love what you're doing, man. That sounds genius. Um, how do you, how do you come up with this idea of like going and reading the notes and like, it doesn't sound very intuitive if I'm an SDR to start doing that. Well, a long time ago, Tito, when I was just a teacher, actually, I used to be a science teacher, I had to find unorthodox manners to get people to listen to what I had to say. And that was okay. when I became an outside salesperson, when I followed my heart, and I was like, I think I can do the sales thing. Uh, it was hard because I was only prospecting into consumers. And I, was, I had to call people who you know, didn't really like ADT. We didn't have a great reputation at that time because of a lot of issues in that particular region. So what I did was I actually only focused on people who canceled. And my pitch was like, hey, I saw that you canceled ADT. I was just kind of curious, you know, what happened? I'm new here, I'm trying to figure it out. People would scream and yell and you know, tell me how bad it was, but once they got it all out of their system, I'd hit them with this. Hey, I get that. We used to suck and that's why they brought someone on like me. They got rid of all the old stuff and we're trying to show you that we want to change. Can I have one opportunity to show you what we can do? And if it works out great, if not, you know, we get it. You know, you canceled already. There's no big deal. I'll leave you alone. From that kind of spawned the idea of resale because in B2B, the best thing about it is it's never a no. It's just a see you later. You know what I mean? Banks might not want to do it in 2015. They'll do it in 2020. If that's the time, if that's when the meta changes where they need your product, they will do it. So you have such a wealth of information in Closed Lost that you can go after where you already have the right person. You already know that there's a need. You even have the use case detailed for you in beautiful op notes. It's so easy to go find that stuff and write a really good email from there. And if you want to practice personalization, that's one of the best places to start. All the info is there. You can get used to it on training wheels and then go out and do cold outbound and look from these things that you've learned in close lost. So I think yeah. it's just a great way to get good at bats with people who will talk to you a little bit longer than just straight up cold calls. That I love that. That's, that's so cool, man. I think everybody, if you're watching this, um, as the superstars video, or you're uh, listening to the podcast, uh, like literally take out your phone put it on your calendar to like tomorrow spend an hour uh, going on your Salesforce or reports and figure out what accounts has your company talked to over the past year that were marked as good fits. However, they were like lacking a feature or 
um, there was something that just like didn't didn't seem uh, like it was a good fit. And uh, sometimes it's no decision, which means that maybe your product evolves and you win them, or uh, sometimes like you lose it to a competitor, and uh, and you might be able to go back at the right time. If you look at the old, like all the ones that are like close lost, I would say nine months ago. Like that's a really good target to go after and say, hey, seems like we talked nine months ago. Maybe you went with a different vendor. I assume you signed a one-year deal, so I'm not going to tell you this, but your renewal might be coming up. We've developed a lot of things, or we've done X, Y, and Z. Tell them about your product updates and, uh, and try to get yourself a meeting. I think that's, uh, that's going to be very fruitful. So thanks, uh, thanks Val, for the, for the genius insights on close lost. Of course. I mean, whenever you have a plan, things just go that much better. Uh, it really is just that, and close loss really affords that opportunity. Yeah. Cool. So tell us a little bit more about your company, because again, like it, this is a little bit about your setup. You have a, you have a company that's been going on for a few years. So if you're the first SDR, a new company, maybe this doesn't work. So I want to give context to the audience. They understand wh where you're coming from, how big's your org and all that. So how many SDRs total at, at time trade? We have 10 SDRs, two for each account executive. Okay. So two for each account executive and you all have an SDR manager or you report to a VP of sales or we have a business development director and we report to marketing, our CMO. Ah, okay. So you're under the marketing org. And then you said two SDRs for every AE. Um, so there's like five AEs, 10 SDRs. And you always send essentially like, or, or your team always, like those two SDRs are always sending all their opportunities to this one AE or, or to their corresponding AE is what I mean. Yes. So I send all of my opportunities to the AEs. I mean, if I get an inbound lead uh, from uh, like a white paper that's from a different territory by accident, I'll just set it up for the AE who it's supposed to be for. But I primarily work with my AEs. Okay. So you guys are like paired up. It's like a pod, two SDRs, one AE. Um, okay. Um, one, one interesting uh, like kind of like objection I get from, uh, from some SDRs is that when they're paired up, Sometimes somebody feels like their AE is not as good or that they disqualify easier than others, others qualify, things like that. Um, do you foresee maybe that sometimes like being a problem or, or, or have you seen anything like that happen? I like to think of it as such is life in Soviet Russia. What do you see, Tito? <laughs> um, this is always going to happen. You're always going to have some people who are just a little nicer, or, you know, a little looser. They'll accept some opportunities more easily and other people who might be a little stricter about it. Right. Okay. You have to work with what you got. I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. And to be honest, I kind of like the strict AEs because it kind of sucks. And you kind of walk out of there being like, what does that guy know? That was a great meeting. That was qualified. But then two hours later, you're like, you know, that did make sense. And he's just looking out for the best interests of himself and the company. So Next time moving forward, maybe I should think about this thing and this thing that stopped this from being in fruition. Everything's a learning opportunity. You know what I mean? So I actually like that whole setup because it makes me better. It makes me bring in better opportunities. Yep. I love the mindset, man. Uh, that's, that's really, really cool. So it seems like you're just making the best of it. I, uh, for, 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 next question, can I just grab my phone, my uh, laptop charger so it doesn't cut out? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, and then in the meantime, for everybody else listening, they, I actually wrote a blog post a little while ago about why companies should not have SDRs paired up with AEs. Uh, the main reason being is that you can never collect the right statistics about why things aren't going well. Meaning, 
if one AE is like really, really amazing, and then he's sending opportunities to, uh, if an SDR is super amazing, sending opportunities to an AE, and the AE isn't great, like maybe um, they are, as a team, performing equally well than an SDR that's not so great, booking okay-ish opportunities, but they're all going to a really amazing AE. And the close rate might seem the same, so it seems like those two pods work equally well, However, if you grab the best SDR and the best AE and put them together, you can get much better results. So the blog post is a little bit technical, goes a lot into detail about how to measure that, uh, but something to consider for all those um, listening. And then now, now Val's back, so. And now we're charging, so we're good. Okay, fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of your tools because you talked about Salesforce reports and so on, but what other tools do you use to find contact information or engage with prospects and so on? Okay, so Tito, I know I told the audience before I have like a bio degree, so the mad scientist in me is always cooking up, and especially with sales tools. I love tools. I use a bunch of them. We have a set standard um, at Time Trade that I use. So I have Salesforce, Sales Navigator, Sales Loft, and I'm a big fan of Sales Loft. Just a quick shout out to Chris Smith and Blanche Reese, who have helped me personally along my journey, and they've helped me use their tools. So big fan over here. We have sales, uh, so Salesforce, Sales Navigator, Sales Loft. We have um, Signal HQ. That's something that I use personally that's very cool. It's a predictive intent software that helps me find companies that may be looking into appointment management, appointment scheduling. Then I use uh, Seamless AI. My friend, uh, Connor McDonald, uh, hooked me up with that. That's helped me out a lot when Zoom Info doesn't have what I need. My primary contacts to the database is Zoom Info now. And we just, just got DataFox, which is kind of cool. It's like an account scoring, and it does a lot of stuff with like telling you everything that you need to know to have a good call. Okay, cool. Yeah, that is a cool tool. So, so you have a way to engage on social through SalesNav. You have Zoom Info for phone numbers and emails. Seamless to uh, supplement that whenever you don't find something. Um, and then Salesforce and SalesLoft. Um, that's really cool. So, and then you, you mentioned a little bit about your territory. So you have a uh, certain States that you go after. Um, are you, how do you find your accounts? How do you decide which ones to go after in that territory? Other than like the cool hack that you're doing in like going back and, and finding the, the old uh, engaged opportunities. Do you have some, something else that you do? Sure. So I'm always looking for specific metrics and then I look into details about the company itself. Metric wise, I'm looking somewhere between 25 million to 300 million typically for our software product, scheduler for Salesforce. And for enterprise, I'm focused on credit unions with eight locations or above and banks above about 100 million in annual revenue. From there, it gets a little bit different, right? What am I looking for? I'm looking for contact us pages. I'm looking for people who say schedule a demo on their website. And then when you fill out the contact us form, it just says somebody will be in contact with you soon. I'm looking for companies that have sales development teams. I'm looking for people that have something that would indicate to me that appointment scheduling may be a good idea in this particular moment. And it also has to be a certain type of company. For example, uh, SaaS is actually something that's very good for me because of the structures that they have. They tend to have a lot of people setting appointments and it tends to be web conferencing. So okay. our tool that encompasses web conferencing and the appointment scheduling is very easy. But one of the biggest things that I do that I think other SDRs um, could definitely benefit from, I look at their main line and I call it before I add a company as a priority target to see what it's like. Uh, something I've noticed recently, Tito, is that a lot of companies have 
uh, phone trees, they're like press one for sales, press two for support. And then that's it, right? So I'm checking to see if they have a directory, if they have direct lines in, in the Zoom Info database before I even go after it, because I want my 15 priority accounts to have an, the easiest way for me to get in there. So if there's no directory, if there's no operator, if there's no way for me to reach to the person I'm trying to speak to, it's gonna make it more difficult for me to go after that account um, and get into contact with the right person because one of my main channels is gonna be cut off. At that point, then I'm relying on my emails. So if I think that it's a great account, I really have a strong use case, I'll still go after it. But if that's not the case, I'm doing myself a favor by having 15 to, you know, of these target accounts who I have the easiest method to communicate with. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to break down so many things here because you've said a lot of really cool things. So you were saying SaaS companies between 25 million and 300 million. Uh, are you pulling that data from like Zoom Info or where do you get that from? So I, I try to vet it. Um, I pull it from Zoom Info originally and then I'll check like Owler and see me if I'm in the right range. I'll look at LinkedIn, the number of employees and see, does that make sense? You know, does that number seem like super high or super low? And then I also look at uh, the Navigator Insight that tells you if job demand is going up or down for sales and BDRs. I don't know exactly what that's called. I think it's like Insights. You click that and it has a little graph that shows you uh, six months, a year, two years. Yeah. You can look at all that stuff and kind of get an indication of if their metrics are somewhat correct, if that makes sense. Right. And how about the credit unions? You say A locations plus. How do you know how many locations they have? Well, the nice thing is that they list it on their website. So if you go on the credit union website, you can see where all their locations are and you can see which right. ones of them are actual branches. Same thing with banks. Banks and credit unions, it's a little easier than the software side of things. Software is where I spend, I probably do more in the research side on the software side than I do the banks and credit unions because that information tends to either be public or more easily accessible. Right. So, I mean, you also said going on the contact us pages and even calling it their main line. Um, this seems like a lot more research than any other STR is doing. Like, how do you find the time? I don't think that it takes very long at all. Uh, that's the funny part. To add the account, right, my process is I'm on the Salesforce page when I'm doing a prospecting. So first of all, I have this time set apart for prospecting anyways in my account. So this is where I'm like finding accounts, adding the contacts, doing all the busy work of putting these accounts in my name and all that. So I'm already in a time frame where I'm supposed to be prospecting. Calling the main line takes one dial and then you find out right away if they have any sort of directory and then you can tinker and click it and see if it goes to people. That at most can take you five minutes and you have a yes or no as to whether or not you can easily contact that account. So for me, I find it very to be worth it. Um, the rest of that stuff, it can take some time and you're absolutely right. Where do you find the time? The nice thing is, is that the banks and the credit unions, it's very easy to replicate that behavior across them and it works pretty well. Software, I have to do more detective work, but scanning the website, going to the contact us page, it gets more and more routine as I've gone on. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, my process isn't a little bit longer than most, but it's gotten a lot faster as I've gotten used to doing. I know it's, it's funny to say, do something that might take a little bit longer, but if you do that and you do it right, you would get better at doing that the long way and you become more efficient in it and then it's not the long way anymore but you're doing something that's helping you get a step ahead of other people yeah i like that i um i wrote another article which which might come handy to you here it's called aes strs and now lrrs and it got pretty pretty popular and what lrrs stand, stand for is lead research reps and uh, that's something we do internally but it might be cons worth considering 
Um, if you're doing a lot of manual process, like why don't you go on a company like Upwork and try to hire somebody in the Philippines to do a lot of this research for you? Like go find the contact us pages or go find the number of branches and things like that. And uh, in, in some cases, depending on how your research goes and depending on how useful it is to actually be there like in person, um, sometimes this can like help you speed up and get more work done. And sometimes it just like loses your context and it can be uh, annoying or whatever. But again, for the audience and those who are thinking, oh my God, do I always need to do all the research? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, there, there are other options. But I, I really do love the fact that you're going so in depth and then you have insights about every account that you're, you're going to be targeting. Like, you know, if they're easy to reach, you know, the number of locations or whatever. Um, so that and can also help. There, I actually have a sheet that I write on paper of just each of these credit unions and which number I hit on their directory to get to the, the dial by name or the operator. The reason I do that is I know myself and I'll sit there and I, you know, I'll do, I know a lot of other people probably do this too. They hit the call button. It's dialing, dialing the phone's right there. What do you do? You scroll a little bit or something like that. Um, and then you, you hear the options. They just go, all go by and you're like, wait, which one was it again? So you end the call, you recall. And I've caught myself once when I was new, did that like four or five times in a row. And I was like, okay, my ADD needs to stop. I need to figure out a way to do this. So having a little list of all their dial by names right there as I prospect, it just gets that much faster because now I'm like six, nine, three, and then boom, 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 boom. You know, I can get through my calls much more efficiently. So it, I, at first it takes some work, but then it makes everything so much easier afterwards. You know what I mean? So like maybe I lose some time in the front end. I gain it all back in the back end as I prospect. Yeah, I agree with that. That is key. That's uh, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, we we try to keep the notes on like outreach so that they're like easy to see as you're pulling up the the prospect. But um, I, I used to keep everything on a separate piece of paper, and I had my. Well, I, I always label the extensions, and I always fill in the information into Salesforce. But it's just for me as I'm going through it to like be hitting credit unions, and I have the whole list of credit union directories. You know what I mean? I know which number to hit before I have to do it. Yep. Cool. Um, tell me a little bit more about like your cold calling and emailing. Like, do you use a, a script on the phone and do you have like pre-built email templates or are you building everything from scratch each time or improvising? Sure. Um, I built it from scratch and I tinkered along the way to get to where I am now. Uh, the cold call script changes a lot for me. I've used variations of the, can I have 27 seconds? I've used, um, uh, variations of like, hi, this is Val. How are you? Good. Thanks for asking. The reason for my call is we work with companies that have these kinds of challenges, but something that's been working for me super well that just kind of throws people off is when I pick up that phone and somebody answers, all I say is, hi, this is Val Moisen with time trade hard pause. And then okay. people are like, how are you? And I'm like, good. Thank you for asking. Hey, uh, the reason for my call is and then they actually listen. It's the weirdest thing because I don't just hit them right out of the gate hard. Like a lot of telemarketers or SDRs have in their past experiences. They're like, how are you? And then I, you know, I just say like, Hey, I'm just looking to talk to you about this. Can I get 27 seconds? If you like it, great. If not, no big deal. I'm gonna leave you alone. Is that fair? Chris Voss, right? When you say, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So, I'm looking to speak to you about appointment scheduling. We've been doing this for mid-market software companies and we've helped them reduce the amount of touches it takes to book meetings and 
get rid of all that phone and email tag that goes back and forth all day long when it comes to the account executive's opportunity. Can you tell me how you currently schedule your meetings? Oh, well, we, uh, we uh, have a process going on right now and I think we're all set. Oh, so you guys use Outlook? Yeah, no, we use Outlook. Okay, so that's exactly why I called. We believe that our product would help your sales team greatly by reducing these touches and getting you more opportunities. So why don't we do this? Could we find some time to talk about this at like a deeper level? Maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, two o'clock? Right. I, I mean, there's, there's, you can get more into like the details of it at any time you want, but just three biggest things I tell people. Pause. Is that fair? That's exactly why I called. Let's do this. If you can fit those into your script, you will rock it. You can ask my friend, uh, Tony Contardo, reflective how well that's working for him. Yeah. He, both, he got the hat trick yesterday. He called me. I was so proud of him. That, that is awesome, man. I, I love a lot of the tips that you're giving out here. Um, another thing to note for people is that Val actually has a really good presence, and his voice is, uh, is very authoritative in a good way, meaning um, I, I coach a bunch of SDRs, right? So if you just say your name and your company name and you pause, it's one thing to say, hi, this is Tito Bort with AltiSales. And it's another thing to say, hey, um, this is Tito Bort. I'm with AltiSales. And if you're like toning up or your pitch is going up, that's going to hurt you tremendously. So the only way this works, right? And, and we can measure things hopefully later on. We measure a lot of things internally. But if you say, hi, this is Peter with whatever, Workspan, right? Hey, this is Peter with Workspan versus, hey, this is Peter with Workspan versus, hey, this is Peter with Workspan. Very different. So make sure you do it right. So Val, give us, give us, give us your, uh, your pitch again with the, with the first line. Hi, this is Val Moisen with Time Trade. Okay, cool. So very, it's, it's energetic and it's, uh, it's with a good, uh, good emphasis on like, I don't know, confidence. Um, so cool, man. That's interesting that that's working for you. Um, I might, I might test uh, some of that internally and, uh, and report back on results. We measure uh, what percentage of the times do we get the other person to respond positively to our first uh, sentence? And uh, our really good reps are around like 85 to 92%, so pretty high. Um, but there's no reason why we wouldn't test new things and see if we can get even higher. So, um, and tell me about your, your email templates. Like, do you have like a sequence on outreach uh, on uh, Salesoft that you love to use, or do you, uh, do you build some personal emails every time? How do you determine what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two different sequences because the one I use for my enterprise, which is the bank's credit unions, and the one I use for software, which is mid-market, are very different. So with the banks and the credit unions, I use a five email cadence with calls and social mixed in between. But the emails are based on, one, we, I send them a snippet of our Google Reserve program, which at a high level, people can book appointments with their banks right through Google without going to any web page. So for a bank, it's this kind of like, you're like dangling some like cool tech in front of them that's like gets their attention. It might not make them take a meeting, but it gets their attention. The next one is saying, hey, this is my value prop for your position. Are you a retail banker? Our product's been shown to increase deposits and foot traffic to your branches. And you know, the more of the details as to what we can do for their specific branch. The third one is where, and this is where I like this stuff a lot is, the results that we've brought, right? So if they're lenders, I focus on Amplify Credit Union where we increase conversion rates 30%. 
If they are retail banking, I talk about logics where we bring them 5,600 appointments a month. If they are concerned about wait times and NPS, I talk about South Carolina Federal Credit Union, whose uh, video is on our website right now, and you can see that we help them with NPS and wait times. So I tailor that result to each one. I use SalesLoft's uh, templates to have all three saved so that in the cadence I can just switch back and forth if I have to, so that I can just have the one cadence and go back and forth between my templates. And then the last email is social proof. We have a great ebook for both a bank and a credit union where an SVP of retail in both, actually one's an EVP, one's an SVP, talked about what they loved about time trade and hardline results. So I highlight the quote from the retail SVP. The title is, here's what one retail SVP had to say about time trade. And then I add my personalized scheduling links to each of these emails. So the, what they see is cool stuff, tailored to my position, results, social proof, and each one of them has a personalized scheduling link that has my face and my picture, my AE's face in his picture, and your information. So you know that I'm not sending this to everyone. I mean, I kind of am. Um, but it feels much more personal. And because of that, too, a second benefit that people really don't think about, I do not need replies to get things going. People just click my link, and then they book a meeting, and that's that. We're done with this phase. We're moving on to the discovery call. I don't need to go back and forth with you about times. I don't need to have you say, yes, I'm interested, and then engage you another email or two. They just click the meeting because they know that that's the goal. And so what's great about that, Tito, is I save myself sometimes like a day or two of effort because I, I hear from my buddies at other companies who are like, dude, this guy told me yes, and I've been waiting for like four days to get a response, and I keep calling him, and he doesn't answer. And I know when he picks up, he'll give me the time, but like, ah, and I'm like, well, here, right. time trade. <laughs> Exactly. Don't you have problems sometimes when uh, you're sending links via email, um, and especially when you're emailing banks or other uh, places? Like the fact that your email has a link gives it a higher propensity of going to spam. Is that not a problem? Um, amusingly enough, we found that it's the attachments that have hurt us. At least when we've been uh, working with this, it seems like the more attachments that I've had, I end up with the undeliverables. But when I just have my scheduling link in there. I, I don't really deal with it as much as you might think. I, I understand what you're saying, and it is something that I was kind of hesitant about at first, but I haven't really seen enough uh, bounce backs to uh, think that it's really a problem in any sense. And to be honest, actually, it works better on the banking side than it does on the software side. They love it uh, because it's not as... Uh, you know, they haven't seen the Calendly's and Chili Piper as much. So when they see that personalized invite, they see that, they're like, oh, this is really cool. You know, I, th I think it has that effect on that side of the biz. I love that. Cool, man. I might ask you to send me some emails and then uh, with your permission later on, we can talk after, after we stop recording. Yeah. Uh, see if we can post some of these for, for people to check out. You'll let me know. I keep a treasure chest of success stories because one of my goals is to write on LinkedIn um, exactly all the things that I've been successful with so that others can use it for themselves. So I'm happy to coordinate. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, uh, we'll get that going. Um, cool. I don't want to keep this much, much longer because this has been a, already a, a pretty long one, but let's talk really briefly um, about um, kind of like what motivates you, what, what have you done to get better? I mean, you're performing so so well what's what's the secret sauce to get to where you are today well the secret sauce and the reason why i work as hard as i do is a beautiful little lady named jessica block 
me and Jess have been dating for over two and a half years now, and we're moving in together in the next three months, which is like, <sighs> um, but she drives me to be the very best that I can be. And she motivates me to go after my goals. She knows that I have big aspirations and she has her own. She's uh, just got her first professional opera gig working in the choir of uh, opera in Worcester. And so she's trying to become a, you know, a star in the opera world. And I wanna become a star in software sales. My goal is to become a VP of sales, learn about the enablement track as well, perhaps, and use the experiences that I've learned as a teacher, outside salesperson, retail, software sales, to build the kind of company that I want to run. And then I wanna become a CEO one day and found my own company. I have big goals because I really believe that I can go after these things. And having Jess to drive me keeps me motivated to continue to work hard. You asked me what I do um, outside of work or to bolster my own trade. I currently work with a sales coach, David Massover. He helps me with a lot of my emails, outbound work, and it's nice to have an outside opinion of work so I can compare and contrast and bring in new ideas to work. I work on Salesforce Trailhead. I'm trying to get my certifications. I just got my six badge, uh, which is you know like a tenth of what everyone else has, but I'm catching up. I started Code Academy just to learn some basic web development to keep myself um, up to date on software. And I've been relentless on LinkedIn, learning, asking, pestering questions everywhere I can so that I can learn as much as I can and digest all of that content and then re-release it to my friends and coworkers in a more you know, palatable manner from someone who's listened to the people who are doing things well, fallen on his face doing the things and then sorted out being like, hey, this is what worked for me. Man, you are a force of nature. This is, this is just insane. Like, most of the uh, people I talk to, they're like, oh, man, I'm just trying to be an SDR and then graduate this as quickly as possible, become an AE, and hopefully they can pay me more so I can, so I can buy myself uh, some, like, clothes or, like, whatever, or a new, a new watch or, like, a new car or whatever. And then, like, nobody's really thinking. It seems like you're thinking, like, years, years ahead, right? Like, you, you're wanting that VPS sales, and that's, like, keeping you going. And, man, learning to code – uh, like Salesforce badges, uh, all these things, uh, just like really shows, uh, really shows why you're, you're like one of the top performers. So man, I really appreciate it. This has been a, a ton of fun, um, for the audience, some last messages or ways to get in touch with you or anything else you want to uh, say briefly. Well, the audience can hit me up on LinkedIn anytime that they want, or give me a buzz at nine, seven, eight, six, five, four, six, eight, one, two. And if there's any VPs of sales listening and you thought to yourself, wow, maybe there is a better way to schedule. You can call me too. I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff, man. People might uh, hit you up on LinkedIn, connect with you, hear more about your story. I think, I think that would be fun. Um, same here. Um, any SDRs or if you are a top performer um, SDR, you want to get in touch with me to be part of this uh, video show slash podcast, um, hit me up on LinkedIn. You should be able to see my name. And uh, check some of the other episodes too. I mean, I think this is number 11th or so that, uh, that I'm putting out. Um, there's a lot of info and, uh, and Val himself has, uh, has checked many of them out from, from the script you're actually talking about and how you've developed. Maybe, maybe I've seen some of my ideas incorporated there. Um, so um, I've been a big fan. Um, I've read a couple of your articles. That's how I first got introduced to you. Uh, the first one I read was the one where you said the highest uh, producing SDR should be paid more than the highest producing AE. Um, and you gave some really convincing numbers and I'm sitting there like, 
wow, this all makes sense, but my heart, my brain's telling me it doesn't make sense. But it made me question things in a good way, you know? You're po and these videos are great because you're getting information straight from the source. I'm not saying that I have it figured out, but there's nine other SDRs, including like Jeremy Laville, who I'm friends with, who've done awesome episodes for you, telling you exactly what they do to become the top person at their gig. If you're not listening to this series, not my episode, but everyone else's, you're missing out on so much awesome stuff. These guys and girls have great content for you right from the SDR, not from a consultant, not from someone with an axe to grind, someone who wants to help you be better. Cool. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. I, I, I'd say the same thing. This is why I put you guys on the spotlight. I think you guys are really smart. You've shown it today. We've seen other people show it in the previous episode. So uh, hopefully people check them out. And uh, cool, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, Tito. It's an absolute pleasure. Feel free to cool. connect with me anytime. <laughs> Great. Thanks, everybody. Peace.